BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Paco Romain, and you're listening to SupDoc, a podcast for doc fans by doc fans. And on today's episode, I recap the documentary Restrepo with comedian and activist Jeff Dean. Restrepo is a 2010 documentary about the Afghanistan war directed by journalists Sebastian Younger and Tim Hetherington. The film explores the year that Younger and Hetherington spent in Afghanistan on assignment for Vanity Fair. My guest, Jeff Dean, is a San Francisco-based comedian, writer, and actor originally from Reno, Nevada. Don't hold that against him. If documentaries are meant to change hearts and minds, that's exactly what Sebastian Younger's Restrepo has done for Jeff. Since seeing this doc, Jeff has grown a deep empathy for our nation's veterans and decided to produce benefit comedy shows raising money for nonprofits benefiting veterans experiencing homelessness. This partnership led to a much bigger life change as Jeff switched careers, quitting sales to join a nonprofit providing direct service to people experiencing homelessness. Jeff's life has changed quite a bit. And while there were many factors that led to these decisions, none of them would have been made without watching Restrepo, along with the follow-up documentary, Porangal. And now, here's my talk with Jeff. And you can hear the dulcet tones of comedian Jeff Dean right here. That's me. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, there. people. Sub Dockers? Is that what you call them? Sub Dockers is good. Okay. Yeah. It's a little... Kind of sounds like something like a jean company, like Sub, Sub Dockers, Dockers, you know, like uh, something the Gap would do. Well, there is a khakis called Dockers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I think Sub Dockers works. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll keep that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep that. We'll keep Sub Dock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, this is your first time on Sub Dock. It is. Yeah. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for Thank coming. Thanks for having me, Paco. You're welcome. And we are recording this in my apartment in San Francisco in the Haight. It's a beautiful day out. It's it one is. of those beautiful September days in, sept- in September. In, in September. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that works. Yeah. Usually. It is. It is. It's been, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I love it. It's been like a little weird lately, but the weather, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Well, it's San Francisco. I was gone all weekend. Was it great all weekend? How was the yes. weekend? Yes. The, okay. the, the weather was really nice all weekend. I have a question for you. <laughs> okay. Why this documentary? What the fuck were you thinking? Why did you make me watch yeah. this? Are you surprised? You've known me, kind of. Are you surprised they chose a war documentary? Extremely yeah. surprised. Knowing you as, as well as I do, which is not <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done some shows together. Uh huh. Um, I've never gone like swimming with you. We never. We've never. That's like, true. We've never gone swimming. Yeah. We're like, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, yeah, synopsis of our relationship, I guess. That we've never been swimming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you know you're really good pals with somebody. I think. Uh-huh. Like, there's, I don't know if you get like wasted with each other, or if you go swimming, or if you have like a crazy like, oh, we almost got into an accident kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when it pushes you into those. Anywho. Um, but yeah, I was surprised that you chose this. So why, why? Well, um, yeah, you probably thought I was going to do like tennis or something, you know, <laughs> those famous tennis were, docs. If you were, yeah. Uh, 
I so I was uh, bored one night, and it was like three years ago, and I was just looking at Netflix. I had no idea what to watch, and I don't know why I was just like kind of just thinking about war, just like that would be crazy, you know, like being in war. Like I had a nightmare, I think, recently at the time where I was like running like it felt like a video game, but it was real life where I'm like running around and like there's shots and I'm in war, you know, Oh, like Pearl Harbor almost. Whoa. But without the planes, I guess. Yeah. And I was just like, I think it's <laughs> Pearl Harbor without the planes. is just another sunny day at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all. It well, was. that's true. Okay. It's like the setting was Pearl Harbor. Yeah. But if it was like people shooting guns, sure. sure. You know? Yeah. Like modern warfare. I don't know. Sure. Um, so I don't know. And it, I, it was definitely a scary dream. And I just was like, I have a question. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I actually raised my hand, which you can't see, but it's yeah, kind yeah. of funny that I did that. <laughs> um, what came first, the dream or the doc that you, watched? I honestly don't know. Uh-huh. I think that it's probably, they're correlated with each other. Just like, I kind of like, I always have, I guess, few weeks or months where I just like am very interested in something mm. even if I don't have the time to really do too much research in it yeah but, um I am not interested in it because I've ever wanted to join the military I've right. never wanted I think that's why this documentary is a pleasant surprise for me is because I've never been that type of guy I'm not masculine by any means <laughs> like I would never I never even thought about joining the military in fact yeah. I was like very against it like the people who do join the military typically probably made fun of me growing up. Like oh, right. I don't typically like those people, but, um, I just still thought it was crazy that people still enlist to go and risk their lives killing and getting, killing people and getting shot, you know, for their country. And it's not even something I necessarily agree in because, you know, what are the reasons that a country goes to war? I'm what about sure. this adage? You can be against the war, but you support the troops. Exactly. Like, yeah, I've always supported the troops. Um, I have deep empathy for them, even if I don't necessarily totally agree. Or it's not that I don't agree. Like if, you know, I guess I don't share the same beliefs. Like I wouldn't, I just wouldn't go to the war because I don't think that the reason we're in war most of the time is genuinely because we're fighting for freedom, you know, and I'd be worried that why am I doing this? And, um, but yeah, like the fact that people go to war and risk their lives and they they do believe and they might be right that they're fighting for our freedoms and that's wholly 100% what they're doing. Um, those people, I think you have to respect it. And I think that um, I look, lately I feel like uh, certain groups of people have kind of grouped people together and started to actually go against them. Now, not everybody's pro supporting our troops. They actually think that if you go to war and you're right. a troop, then you're probably a bad person or something. So sure. I'm sure there's people out there that believe that, but so what, so then why Restrepo? Why this doc? Uh, well, it was just like on Netflix at the time and it was said it won an award or something. So after your fevered Pearl Harbor, I almost said Pearl It Jam. might've been, after like before i have no idea oh okay could have been because of the documentary i don't know i think i was just like but war was on it, your mind somehow it was in my head yeah that 
I don't know. I'm always interested in just stuff that like whenever I look for a documentary, I look for something that's just like, so I've never even thought about that before. Oh yeah. That's you know? a good way to, yeah. And I think that war was just like, damn, that's crazy. Like people yeah. are fighting for their lives. I remember when this doc came out, it was, it was pretty herald. It was, I didn't even know about it. Oh really? I saw that it had won an award. You yeah. Know, it has those like reward logo things. Yeah. And I think it might have won like best documentary uh-huh. at the, like the Oscars. I don't even know. I yeah. should know this. Best, you know, yeah, best doc. Yeah, it's it was <laughs> reviewed highly, and yeah. I remember when it came out. I never watched it because like it's not quite my jam. It's not quite yeah. my my doc jam, mm-hmm. as it were. I like a right. little more kooky and quirky and right. slice Me of too. Americana. But yeah, um, so I I just watched this for the first time this morning um, right. to get prepared for this interview, and I was. I was kind of like, uh oh, what is gonna happen with this? Yeah, you know. So let's get into it a little bit. Like it opens with like shaky handheld, um, yeah. home camera style. Yeah, with the cat that the guy that they named this documentary after, who's right. Juan, quote unquote, Juan Restrepo. Doc. Yeah, Restrepo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and you see him on a train, I think, or a bus. Yeah, they're like going to war. And on their way, just on their fucking way to war. And I think I probably was like, when I watched that, they're very broy guys, well, very sure. broy, and that's not the type of person that I am. No, and you're I, not. In fact, don't I hate those types of you're people? You're more touchy feely than broy. Yeah, is that would that be accurate? Yeah, I think that like I probably grew up a bro, and I've been like trying to transition my whole no life. way. Not my whole life, but well, I was, uh, I played football. I was never a bro, but I, you know how you like try and you're like performing what you want to be, you know, like yeah. I wanted to be a cool football player and hyper masculine uh-huh. and like, it wasn't until <laughs> like senior year of college that I'm like, or high school that I'm like, you know, maybe I'm, you know, kind of a pussy kind okay. of, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> um, here I am doing stand up comedy. I actually have like a lot of regret. I'm like, I should have done. Why was I doing football? I was 90 pounds as a freshman. Whoa. I was 90 pounds. Yeah. I was, you were uh, not even 100 pounds? They had to lie about my weight to legally, my coaches lied about my weight to legally allow me to play football because I was too small and it was considered dangerous for me to play high school well, football. Well, yeah, dude. Wow. And I was 180 by the time I graduated and ended up starting my senior year until I got injured. Um, so you wait, wait, let's wait, hold on just a second. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but (laughs) I'm just trying to wrap my, my head around this. So at 15, you're 90 pounds. Yeah. And then by the time you're 18, you're 180. Yeah. So like I doubled your weight in a few years. I like didn't hit puberty at like at all. I hit me and my brother were both 90 pounds actually when we were freshmen and, uh, couldn't even lift like with 10 pounds on each <laughs> why, side of the why bar football the like the most I just dangerous loved football mm. my whole life like i and i played pop warner and stuff and i was always the smallest in pop warner what position too. would you play receiver what? oh right but like i didn't even like receiver not even <laughs> i didn't even have good hands but they're like you're so small you can't <laughs> what do else are we gonna else. do with this kid you know so i played receiver or cornerback right and i ended up liking corner a lot yeah and safety i played that um were you at least tall? No, I was just you know. short and really tiny. Yeah. Right. What wait, um Oh shit, what is Oh man, this is going to be dumb, but um fuck who 
oh, this is dumb. Never mind. Because there, there is a book about a really tiny guy that plays football and stuff. It's uh, by the writer of Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Like in the NFL? No, it's fiction. Oh, fuck. Mm. Never mind. If you, oh, if okay. our listeners hear this, I'm sure you'll send us a tweet or something about this because <laughs> I'm being dumb right now. Anyways, no, it's I'm, fine. I'm sorry. Go on. Um, yeah, I don't, I like when, um, my dad was, he was, um, he was in a football pool and he, uh, like basically you choose which teams are going to win each week, every matchup. And then you assign a point value from one to 15 or one to however many games are that week of like who you're most confident in. So you get 15 points, you, you put 15 points on this game, 14 points, 13 points. If you get if you win the game that you put 15 points on, you get that many points for the week. And then like, so you put, you know, the one you're most confident in, you put the most points on. But anyway, I don't know why I had to give over, go over the entire rule book, but, uh, yeah. we, my dad did that and he would let me play. And, uh, he ended up just like letting me choose every one is what he told me. Um, and we ended up, I got, cause I was obsessed with football. I'd wake up at 8am on Sundays, you know, when I was in like, third grade and like watch ESPN. Like I memorized all of the statistics. Right. Like my mom was like, I wish you'd put that much energy into, you know, school or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I always just loved it and it felt like I felt like, I guess I had to do it. And also just my brother, I've always kind of followed in his footsteps and he said he regretted not playing football and he didn't play cause he was too small and he said I should play. And I just wanted to be the cool guy. My brother also, he ingrained some sort of culture in me that was like varsity blues, like football is the cool thing in high school. Right. Okay. And everyone else is a dork. Right, right, right. So, so you, so you had, you were bro adjacent, let's say. In For your, sure. In your desires, but your body hadn't caught up to that yet. So you, you're, you're, you had bro yeah. fantasies, but your body was like, still, a, yeah. was basically made for table tennis or something. I would, I was friends and hung out with all the popular bros, but they would all make fun of me right? Okay. and call me a pussy. Well, like, and the, so that's, I mean, to me, that is a gateway into the military for somebody like that. I mean, to me, that yeah. makes sense. Or I mean, earlier you were saying <clears> you didn't really, you never really had any desires to go into the military, but that to me sounds like that could have been an avenue right. for you. You know, to have been like, I'll fucking so. show you guys, you know? Yeah. My brother, he's always, he's someone I always like modeled myself after. He's like kind of the father in my life. He's like eight years older than me. And, uh, when nine 11 happened, I remember he was like, I'm going to join the Marines and I'm going to bomb those fuckers. Like he was like, Whoa. And he's, yeah. So I don't know, maybe. What did he? No. Oh, okay. My brother ended up being very wildly successful in like finance. Oh, wow. But, um. That doesn't, that's not surprising either, actually, for some reason. That, that like, people have that mentality. Right. But I almost feel like he's kind of performing, too, because he's so goofy. Oh, okay. He's, like, a total dork. He's a dork, but he's a bro. Got sure. it. Got it. Well, let's let's jump back to the train, to to the dock. Right. Let's let's yes. get back to that. Not. The, I mean, this is yeah. very interesting. We'll, we'll kind of come back and out of, out <laughs> yeah. of this stuff. Um, because it, it always, it's always very important to me on this podcast to learn why people pick a certain doc there's always a connection yeah where when, like people have mm -hmm. always said like i'll do this doc and i'm like do you have a strong connection they're like well to be honest this doc is the one i have the strong connection i'm like well let's do that one you know because that's mm. so we, we it opens uh this documentary opens with the namesake on a bus or a train with his buddies they're broing down right. hard 
mm-hmm. and they're on their way to fucking join the military. And, right. and he's saying things like, he seems like a very gregarious guy. He's like, I love my life. Can't wait to go to war. Right. Uh-huh. I'll see you guys on the other side. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there He's on his way with his buddies to, I would mm-hmm. guess, basic training then, you know, because you see uh, home video. Uh, I think it's, I think they're going to war. Like, Actually, I think after post. They're probably friends from basic training. Right. Okay. Or maybe even they were in the military in another fashion and they're all being sent to Korangal Valley, the Korangal Valley, um, which is like the most dangerous part of Afghanistan. Right. I guess. Yes. Um, Yeah. Well, to the point where CNN called it the most dangerous place in the world. In the world. Yeah. So it's like, I think it's like the, basically the home base for the Taliban. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. And the landscape lends itself to being incredibly difficult. Yeah. I mean, that's what you get right away. And so, like you said, one of the early opening moments is they're on a helicopter and it's all shaky. And then like literally the second moment they're in a fucking Hummer and they get they run over an uh, an, uh, improvised uh, device of explosion. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. And they're fighting right away. They get that dude. It's harrowing. Yeah. Immediately you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, oh, and no. That's the stuff. I hate to say it's like voyeurism, but it kind of is. It's like dark tourism. I think that's the same thing that drives me. Like, I think dark tourism is so weird. People are like, I want to go to the most dangerous places, you know? Yeah. But for me, I'm just like, people are doing this crazy shit, fighting for their lives, shooting at people and getting shot at. And I want to know what it's like. I don't ever want to do it. No. But it's interesting to well, me. Well, that's what I think part of what made this doc so infamous and so well reviewed is that yeah. you have two <laughs> journalists embedded. Yeah. And I don't, I still don't know, like, are these journalists in the military? Like, no, that's pretty ballsy of them too. They, They're just, they, yeah, they don't even have weapons. They're no. just following. Yeah. That's those, fucked up. That's the most badass journalism What's more ballsy I've ever heard of. than that. Yeah. For sure. And then you see them on the top of fucking mountains, like getting shot at without anything to shoot back with. They just have their cameras. It's crazy. Dude, that is, that is nuts. I don't know what takes bigger balls to just enlist or to go in as a photojournalist and just take fucking video cameras. I think, I think journalism aspect is very, is a draw to me too. Anything like the old days of journalism where you're like, like investigative journalism, like there's another one called Varunga. Oh yeah, Varunga. That one. Yeah, that that's one. An amazing doc. Any sort of journalism where the people are so into the story that they put themselves like at risk, right. I think, is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it gets very serious, and I guess that's what I like signed up for. But it got more intense than I would have ever even kind of imagined. Like, We're as far about, as what they're showing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's about Restrepo. Yeah, it's pretty harrowing. I mean, like like I said, I watched it today, and there's a lot of moments you're like, oh, no, like, I don't know. I don't want to see death. I don't want to see right. any of these guys get shot or anything. And for the most part, you don't. For the most part, I think they deliberately, we're talking about Sebastian Younger and Tim Hetherington, who yeah. are the two filmmakers. I think they deliberately kept things out. They could have been. Probably. Like, they didn't show the deceased or anything. Right. Because I think that might be kind of disrespectful. I maybe. agree. And it's not really why they're there, I don't think, either. Right. It's not about showing the death toll. It's about the mm-hmm. day-to-day life experiences of being in the most dangerous fucking place in the world. Right. 
which, yeah. is, like you said, it was Korangal, Afghanistan. I think people, I think one of the other reasons I like it is that like people forget about that. Right. When people think of war, they don't even... Well, it's I, abstract. Yeah, and I think modern war today, I think the thing about that documentary is it's like that scary type of war that you hear about Vietnam, like it still exists. It's, you know... That's a very good example because it, do, yeah. it this doc did feel like there was some nom involved. Yeah, it, I think, yeah. It felt like, I mean, they're not in a jungle per se, but they're still mountaintop right. fighting. And, and then you... Then yeah. we get into, as the doc progresses, you start to get into the characters that make up this platoon, right? Um, which is the second platoon. Um, and we start seeing talking heads. And so you realize right. there's post-doc interviews that go on. Post, I'm sorry, post-war interviews. Right. Yeah. And then we start to learn some of the people like Captain Dan Kearney, who is a big part of this. Um, and, yes, and they, yes. they, they start talking about like they start talking about uh, Restrepo, the, the one um, about losing him. So you learn early on that he passes away, yeah. but you don't know how or why. Then all of a sudden you're back into the fighting yeah. video stuff. And then mm -hmm. we learn what's happened. Yeah. And I think I'm I think I'm probably pretty. Uh, I guess at the time and maybe still I'm pretty obsessed with death like. Like like when anyone dies and you see on Facebook, even if I don't know who it is, it's a friend of a friend. I look at their Facebook and I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck, dude, yeah. that's crazy." And I don't. Do you, think friend, it, you don't friend them, do you? After no. Oh my god. <laughs> I I thought it would be funny if like oh, uh, no. if like I died and I gave someone my password like yeah. before and yeah. like they could like you know once every like six months just like just like something it. oh no that's after funny. my death it's like what the fuck is going on yeah that's funny <laughs> or just kind of roast people i don't know yeah um that's yeah i mean being i mean being curious about death is just being human i mean what yeah. humans not i mean there's traffic slows down when there's an accident i mean it's it's just what humans yeah. do when captain kearney told me um up by the LZ that uh, Cesar, you know, Rugal uh, was killed. It was uh, it was gut wrenching. Um, you know, there's different levels to quality of fighters. He was one of the best, if not the best. And I think that's that was what was tough for a lot of people was was you know kind of knowing that in the back of the mind. Well, if the best guy we have out here just got killed. Where's that put me? You know, what's going to happen to me? Um, you know, what's going to happen to the guy to my left, my right? Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I mean, this is always a good reminder, especially for Americans, as we sit on our couches and our right. fat asses and we get shit delivered to us at this point soon by robots and flying objects, so we don't even have to move. Yeah. And we have kids. I mean, they're fucking 20. This cat was 20 when he died. Restrepo was 20. Yeah. Like, that's a kid. Yeah. And, like, I, you know, I don't have... 
I don't have an argument to be made either way for civilians or for a professional military. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, cause you can right. sign up and, but do, do we want like a militia? Like, like what they're talking about now with Blackwater and stuff, like professionally trained mean? militia Oh, that are, are, aren't under the auspices of the federal government. They're basically paid to go and just like, you guys go fight. Oh, You're, it's like private. Yeah, they're private. Military. That's yeah. crazy to me. Well, they're all over Iraq and right now. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're I mean, all. I guess. That's, that's like, that's what we've done was like outsourcing our military. So I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I've never fought. I almost feel like I don't have, like, it's not my place as someone who's just a fucking soft and pudgy American that would never, I've never, yeah. I don't like guns. Exactly. I, mean, I think a lot of people in this area specifically, like, especially, you know, San you're talking Francisco. about the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they didn't grow up with that, like, m- you know, I guess flyover state mentality that fighting about fighting for your country. We're not the most flag, biggest flag waving people in the world. We're not like, well, I don't think we even I don't think know, about I'll, it. Well, here's another argument. I don't, I personally would say that has nothing to do with patriotism. Like, I'm, as, yeah, no, it's I'm true. A, I love America as the next guy next to me who went yeah. to fight, but I'm not someone who's right. willing to go die for a war that got started in 2001. And, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's like, uh, it's so we're tough. More, yeah, I guess it's not that we're, we don't love America. We're not patriot, patriotic, but we're, we're definitely like questioning the decisions that are made up top all the time. And I mean, nowadays everyone is of course, but, um, like, I don't know. I think that a lot of people that join the military, it's a family thing. Well, it's also a money thing. A lot of people are poor. That's true. The entire, most of the military is (laughs) is under, is like poverty people. That is, yes, absolutely. Yeah. They're there. Even in this documentary, there's like, you can stay another month and get another grand. Remember that guy at the the end? He's like, Yeah, he's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. We're leaving in September. He's Are like, they really? You, yeah, he was like, you guys, whoever's not leaving, you can stay and get your extra grand. But like, we're the we're getting the fuck out of here. You I know? hope that they're getting paid more than a grand a month. They don't That's get like paid slavery. Anything. Yeah, That's crazy. They should be paid so much money. Well, yeah, I know. Teachers, soldiers, Jesus. firemen. I know, but they don't because this fucking country's got its fucking ass up its head. That is crazy to me. I know. I agree. But so I have a brother who went as high as you can in the Marines. Oh, really? Yeah. And he, he was in the Marines for 30 years, my brother, Steve, Mm. and he was, um, Sergeant major of the Marines. And he went because he got into a chainsaw fight at a bar with a dude over a chick. So I grew up in Michigan and some one of the few summer jobs you could have was was um, cutting up firewood mm-hmm. during the summer for winter sales, you know. Yeah. So a bunch of dudes would go up north and they would cut firewood all day long with uh-huh. their chainsaws and they go to the bar and hang out. Yeah. They all had chainsaws. So wow, this, he and this dude got into a fight over a chick and they got into a chainsaw fight. That f- is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it is terrifying. <laughs> so then he had to go in front of a judge. The judge was this old timey fucking crew cut kind of yeah. like the guy you could set your watch to, like a haircut you could set your watch to, like from the fifties. And he basically said to my brother, "You have one choice: you can either go to jail, or you can go across the street and sign up for the Marines." My brother was eighteen, and he the judge went five, four, three, wow, that's kind of two, a move. and I think it's awesome personally. I mean, to I, give him a choice. 
That is true. Yeah. The whole counting down thing, I think, pisses me off. I think it's because <laughs> the teacher did that when okay. I was like doing a test and I was taking too long. It's like, oh, okay. I get however much time. It harkens back to a dark so, period for you. Yeah. <laughs> so my brother chose the Marines 30 years in the Marines. It saved his life. Like he was, my brother was nuts. That's crazy. And, um, and I, you know, like I remember my mom, I, when I moved to San Francisco and I always came home and my brother was coming. She's like, you be nice to your brother. I'm like, I'm not some yeah. like draft dodging hippie San Francisco. Like you're going to make fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I love my brother. I'm proud of him. And I'm, yeah. I'm proud of what he did and the fact that he went into the military and it saved his life and that he's a fine, fine human being. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like my mom thought I was going to like burn the flag in right. front of him or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are people that are kind of, maybe they're, they're against the reason for going to war and it comes off as anti-troops. And then, I don't know. I think also just right now, it's like people feel like they have to choose a side on every single thing. Of course. I mean, even the kneeling thing for the flag and like, um, it's like the flag is a fucking symbol. It's not... A, it's not an entity of itself. It's a symbol yeah. of I- idealism. And if you kneel because you're uh, you're saying we need to solve some problems, and that's not being anti-American. It's so it's so American. Really, it's so very American. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're in this, and we start to meet some people in Restrepo. We start to meet some people. One of my favorites is uh, Pemble. You remember him? Pembleton. Is it is it uh, Misha? Misha, yeah, yeah. Speaking, and he was like, he like he's the other side of this, where he was like, I grew up in a hippie, exactly, and I think that's what really connected me to it, is because oh, okay. I was like, not that I grew up as a hippie, but I, he doesn't seem like he is inclined to hyper masculinity, I guess. Right. He seems like he could be any of us who just kind of, you know, ended up joining the military because it was like a decision he made, and now he's in this crazy situation, but he's fighting, you know, as much as he can. I don't know. Yeah. I love that guy. He's, he's my favorite for sure. Yeah. He really stands out. And I think part of it is that you don't from, from, from none of the talking heads, you, you don't really get a sense of where they came from, how they grew up. You, yeah. None of them ever really says he's the only one we really hear from where he's like, I grew That's up in point. Oregon. I grew up with a hippie mom. We couldn't even have uh, water pistols because it said pistol on it. Right. Like his dad, they, they couldn't have any toy guns. Yeah. They couldn't watch violent movies. And he was just like Jones and for that like testosterone male American yeah. archetype thing, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Which makes you wonder how much of the military is made up of people like that. Like, you know, it's the thing is, it's like you can't, you know, it's society. It's like if you withhold one thing from your kids, they're probably going to grow up to do that. If you are an atheist, your kid's probably going to grow up to be like a Catholic or Protestant. If you're a hardcore Christian, you're going to grow up an atheist, you know, like. Yeah. It's almost like you got to let people just develop and do what they do. I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I totally agree. I've, I feel like I've seen a lot of my friends, uh, like they either become just like they their dad, or they become like the antithesis right. of their dad. Right. You know, either the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, or yeah. the apple is like a mile away. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think even myself, like my brother, is, uh, you know, I I followed his footsteps for so long, and then. You know, I went to college planning on working for him. I got a 
degree in the same thing he did, finance and economics. I did it, got a 4.0. And then, you know, I was entering, I was about to finish college and uh, it was like either I take the job with him or I try and do my own thing. Uh-huh. And I just decided at that point, my brother and my our relationship kind of deteriorated a little bit at that point in time. I guess. And, uh, I went the exact opposite way and I'm really close with my brother now. And I, I, I always was, but I just kind of, I think I just, I think it's not really as much about him and more about me. Right. I was just like, I need to do something that's my own. Like I can't live my life trying to impress my brother or trying to be someone like, I feel like I didn't even me not doing drama was probably in high school was probably me not trying to figure out who I like, what I like and me just trying to be like, Oh, my brother says that this is cool. That's what's cool. I'm going to do it. Like football. Kind of. And I was, mean, did your brother take drama? Was he an actor? No. I mean, he made fun of those kids. Oh, gotcha. Kind of. I mean, right. Oh, I see. So you didn't want to go against your brother's wishes. Almost. He didn't actually make fun of them, but like, I don't know if just growing up with them, you don't get the idea that that's cool by any means. Right. And, and <clears throat> where'd you grow up? Reno, Nevada. Oh. Which is very... Huh. Uh, I mean, it's like... That seems kind of rough and tumble. Or it's not. pretty like flyover state, kind of. You know, it's not it's not Arkansas, but it's definitely not here <laughs> either, you know? Yeah. It's, I, well, every state has its hillbilly side. Every state has its like kind of agricultural, uh, yeah. down and dirty kind of, you know. Yeah. I mean, California, dude, the Central Valley, it's... Yeah. I mean, it's huge that way nevada i mean a lot of a lot of states have like that what you would say the flyover type of areas right i mean it's definitely like a lot of my friends who i grew up with are like trump supporters now Mm. and it's weird Mm. yeah you know some of them i don't talk to at all anymore some of them it's like i'm still friends with even though they think they're like complete idiots isn't that weird dude i i have friends who are trump supporters but i i just want it's like i can't unfriend them in real life or in on social media because i still love them and i I understand that they're just flawed fucking people you know but yeah well i think that's very like i don't know i think it's so some people say that they like completely disown people in their family because they are trump supporters and like i know trump like is a crazy egomaniac terrible racist person but like and bigot you know, the, them supporting him. Yeah. That's, they got some problems. Yes. And I think it's good to like have empathy for those people instead of saying it's their fault or right. they are bad people. I don't think they're bad people. With, I think they just are misguided. I think there's, see with me, it's like with those people in my life that support Trump still support me or did they support me when I was obviously a huge Obama fan? And they did. Like they, they, did. they weren't they weren't like, fuck you, get out of my life forever. So it's yeah. kinda like, you know, okay, like you have your fucking you you obviously adore this guy who I think is a monster. Just right. like I don't know how people could think that about President Obama, but there were people that thought that about him. Yes. And yeah. so, you know. And some people for some reason really get to me. Um, (laughs) like some people, like, like if I have to be really close with you for me to still want to talk to you, but like even my family, I remember just this last weekend I was at a wedding and my, uh, we were watching football and my, uh, uncle who I've never met, 
but I met this guy who's for the first time. He's like my great uncle or something. He's my yeah. dad's uncle. Those are the best. But he, uh, he's such a cool guy. And then he was like, oh, I don't watch the NFL anymore. And I was like, oh no, why, why don't you watch the NFL? And he's like, oh, and he, he was just like, you know, whatever they need to figure out, they need to get their shit together and stop doing it on the field. So I could tell he's like an anti-Kaepernick guy. And that thing really bothers me for yeah. some reason. Sure. Which is some people would say it's ironic that I'm pro Kaepernick and also really pro this military thing. Cause so many people think that Kaepernick is disrespecting the military by kneeling for right. the flag, which is not the case no. whatsoever. Um, well, and, and here's the other thing is you can be, you can have opinions about something and still not be, yeah. and still be pro that. Right. You can say that things are flawed exactly. and still be for it. That's the exactly. That's what I hate about this country. It's like you said earlier that it's, it's a pick a side pick thing. A side. But there are mm-hmm. nuances to every fucking thing, you know. And it yeah, it bothers me so much. Like actually, like what Kaepernick is kneeling against is police brutality against black people. Yeah, right. Who I'm could actually, be against that? I mean, I'm I kind of am pro cop in a lot of ways too. I'm not. Some people think all cops are racist pigs and they're assholes, but. I mean, I think that maybe people get into being a cop or being in the military because they have a certain personality and maybe that personality isn't super emotionally developed and they're not able to uncover uh, biases that maybe they unconsciously have. Maybe they, um, you know, they're like hyper aggressive and a little trigger happy, I guess, for that reason. Uh, But also, like, I don't think they're bad people and I don't think they... I don't know. I think most of the times when there is some sort of like basically every time when there is police brutality against someone who's black, I definitely think that there's racism involved. Mm -hmm. But then again, and I'm like, it makes me nervous to even say this, but they're racist, but is it totally their fault? Did they decide to be racist? And it's, I'm not saying it's, the black community's fault by any means it's definitely not but i think that there's a lot of trauma involved constantly and that's what i think is really well but you have i mean you have institutionalized racism there's institutionalized racism they're for sure racist and there's cops are racist there's personal racism and then institutionalized racism and then Mm -hmm. you and i do not have the distinction of growing up black and always being pressured no, and don't. followed yeah, and sure. stopped and questioned and asked and and pushed around and yeah. harassed on a fucking daily basis. Yeah. And therein lies the problem is like we are everyone in this country is a citizen of the same level. However, that playing field is 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 destroyed once you start talking about race relations. So you and I come from an area of white privilege. Yeah. So, so it's a little hard to say, right? No, I know. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, but it, every, you know, it's all based on point of view and personal experiences and stuff. Um, so it, it makes, I mean, you know, when you have your own point of view, yeah. it makes sense. Cause that's your, your experiences. Yeah. yeah. I guess what I'm saying is like, okay, why are cops racist? Let's think about it. It's because, well, they're patrolling every day for 20 years sometimes, you know, um, I mean, longer or shorter, whatever. Uh, where do they get the most calls? Probably in the low income areas. In a lot of these neighbor, in a lot of these places, especially like Ferguson, where these things are happening, what's the majority in these low income, low income areas? It's 
black population. Now, does that mean that all these crimes that are happening in low-income areas, is it because these people are black? No, it's because they're poor and they have to do these things because they, the society was not built for them. And there's been so much institutionalized racism going on for so long that, you know, they don't, I don't know. It's like, so on the cops point of view, they probably are a little extra scared of black people because, because they constantly have to deal with past trauma of getting calls where some crazy shit's happening. Um, if that makes sense. Maybe, and I, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, they could also, I mean, there is such thing as driving while black, you know, like there's, you could be a cop who's never had to draw his gun before, but he pulls over someone who's African-American and assumes there's going to be a problem because they're yeah, African-American. Sure. That's racism. That's not, a you yes. know, you know, it's not dealing with something on the merit of the situation. Yes. It's saying this guy's black. This woman's black. There's going to be a problem because yeah. I don't like them. I don't yeah, like true. black no, people. No, for sure. You know, like, and like the culture <laughs> around who joins cops, I think is very flawed. But also, well, sure. I do think there's good cops. Well, of course. Yeah, I don't think anybody would yeah. argue that there aren't some good cops. I, I mean, in my one-man show, this is, this is I, I did a one-man show called Painfully White about growing up in a black family. And one of my first right. memories is my stepfather was African-American getting pulled over by a white cop. And he yeah. leaned into the car and was like, are you okay to me? Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's terrible. And then my stepdad being like, that's my son. And the cop was like, can I see you for a second? And I got it. I had to get out of the car at six years old and say, yeah, that's my dad. You know? Yeah. That was the first and time. Wouldn't happen the other way around. No. They'd no. go, oh, wow, you're <laughs> such a great person. You oh, have this, yeah. you know. But I mean, then there's also, so to get back to this doc, there is also the idea of like the, the underclass <laughs> sign up for the military a lot. Right. Um, and that's what you have is a military full of undereducated, poor mm -hmm. people from either the rural areas of America or from like, you know, the, the urban areas that where they're just like, this is my only way out. Although yeah. this doc doesn't really get into like class stuff. Do you think it doesn't seem to get into that kind of stuff? It doesn't no, make it doesn't. I mean, that's something that like, will you know, based on our preconceived notions, I don't know if that's the right word, but just, I mean, it, it, it's inevitably, inevitably a part of it just because we all know that's kind of who joins the military, I guess. Right. I, it just seems like there's, for this doc, it just seems like it's kind of like a day in the life kind of stuff because like, what do you think are the themes to this documentary? I mean, I think the themes, for me, I think the theme is trauma. And I think that's something that I'm really interested in right now and mental health. Um, especially if you watch Korangal, which is the, follow-up documentary right where they get into more of like how it's affecting them today yeah what they went through um i don't i feel like mental health right now is just not important like i guess the reason the cop Wait, thing you, is not important to the country okay. like it's just it's important to you it's not important it's to important the, to me yes. for sure uh incredibly important right. um like with the cop thing i guess my only gripe with hyper liberal people who hate cops is that I just feel like they're not focusing on what the problem is. And I hate to be like, I hate to like kind of take the abuser or the oppressor and say, Hey, you have a problem. Let's help f solve it. Like 
and have empathy for that person, it's hard. But I feel like in a way we kind of do need to like make sure that mental health is an extremely important thing for cops, not just whenever they pull their gun out, you know, they're dealing with trauma every day and it's turning them into a certain person that is very flawed and treats people differently. And that's a problem. But we're not, instead of focusing on, let's get these people help, we're focusing on you're a shitty person and you always have been and oh, you're yeah. racist. Well, that's the only thing that I have a problem with. It's sure. It's not, I'm by no means defending these cops. I'm just saying like, if we, all we do is pick a side and put shame on the other side, all that does is further, they get more radical, I feel like, and it's not helping. Yeah, well, that that is a good point. I mean, you, know? you can radicalize people, groups, countries, uh, races because of un, uh, untoward amounts of killing their civilians and babies and yeah. children and making their lives hell. And they're like, like in Afghanistan, I'm, some of these cats, I'm sure, were like some of these yeah. people that live around there are just like, what the fuck did I do? Why am yeah. I getting bombed? And if you you see uh, shots that at one point they go deep into the Korangal Valley because they want to set up another area, um, a operating area, and um, they go into some of the villages and stuff, and you really see how poor these people are. You know, I mean, they're just yeah. living in these huts and shit, and it's like fuck, man. You know, five ten years from now. The Korngal Valley is going to have a road going through it that's paved. And we can make more money, make you guys richer, make you guys more powerful. What I need, though, is I need you to join with the government. You know, provide us with that security or help us provide you guys with that security. And I'll flood this whole place with money and with projects and with health care and with everything. Remember last week when we said that everything that happened in the past when Captain McKnight was here? We're kind of like wiping the slate clean. Captain Kearney's got a new slate. Put it behind us and let's get on with what we got to do now. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I mean, there is a moment when they're, it's called Operation Rock Avalanche. Yes, Operation Rock Avalanche. Where, uh, they, yeah. where they go and they start saying, we got to take it to the Taliban now. Like they're getting tired of being shot at. And, and and they they make the point that they get shot at every day, five, six, seven times a day, 365 mm -hmm. days yeah. a year. They're always being fucking shot at. And they're like, okay, we're going to go in now and like rustle up some people. And then shit gets heavy. You know, that's mm -hmm. like, that's when we find out um, they lose, they lose like a beloved sergeant and um, things yeah. get real heavy. And I thought that was crazy because they're showing very real reactions to someone dying. Their yeah. friend, a very good friend dies and one guy like completely loses it. And you see that stuff in, and I, I hate that there's like a, <clears throat> some like voyeurism to it, but like 
you see movies where someone dies and everyone gets upset, but at the end of the day, it's a movie and that's acting. Yeah. This is like, oh shit, this is what it really looks like. Yeah. 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 And, um, well, I yeah. think, I think it's important. I mean, they don't, it's not, it's not too much. They don't, I think they make it, they carefully make it so that you, they don't really show the person they show them putting a, like a thing over the body. But, um, I yeah. think it's, sometimes it's important. I mean, if you're going to watch, if you're going to make a documentary where you're embedded with the troop, you got to show all that shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's important to show everything. I mean, I, uh, I show, I, um, I was listening to an NPR podcast, I think. And, uh, there was a story about, there's a photojournalist for national geographic in, uh, at the, war somewhere and someone died and they took pictures of him like right before he died and as he and when he was dead and it was very extremely graphic and they were going to print it on or I think it was maybe Time Magazine mm. Time Magazine did a whole story about it and they were going to print those photos and the the journalist was extremely like adamant that it needed to be shown that people need to see this they're mm. not paying attention to this anymore and mm -hmm. they need to be um and like the, they talked to the family of the deceased and they like went back and forth and, uh, eventually decided that they didn't want to they like understood the journalist, but they didn't want to show it because they didn't want the brothers and sisters right. of the deceased to see it. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I think that like, yeah, you have to, res you have to re like respect one another, but also people need to know what's going on and maybe you know, who knows what the deceased wanted, but, right. um, well, I mean, if it helps stop war, yeah. then, I mean, there, I've, I've heard arguments that like photos from school shootings should be made public because the America is just desensitized to that shit now. You know, can you imagine if they posted seven, the 17 photos of the kids that were killed in the Parkland shooting of Florida, you know, like people would probably be like, fuck this. Oh, well, yeah. You know, like. Yeah, just to be like, hey, it's really bad. Yeah, yeah, this isn't just a, a headline. That would be terrible. These are real fucking people. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't yeah, know what it would. Sure. I don't know what it would take. What it takes, but, um, I mean, at least in this, like, that's one of the yeah. things I liked about this doc. It wasn't grotesque. It wasn't over the top. It was <clears> like kind of a slice of <throat> life. Um, you felt the peril, and you also got to see the boredom of these guys. You know, you saw them wrestling. You saw everything, yeah. You see them like like hitting golf balls. You see them playing guitar. Right. Like one of the guys is playing the guitar from Juan Restrepo and even mm. talks about how he showed him how to play some chords yeah. and stuff. And I think seeing these bros get all like super soft. I mean, of course they are. They're <laughs> friends like dying and everything. But I like that. I like just anything that shows people as like human. And I think the reason I don't like bros I guess or I've grew to not like them is because they're just not they just don't seem real they don't seem like right you know they talk about their sales job as if they love it and yeah. they would do it without the money like they're just not they just don't seem honest to me they're trying to put a, together in this image of masculinity right and well, this one it, it forced these people to be very real human beings the whole time man I mean there is they talk about an adjacent base where nine guys got killed Remember that part in this yeah. doc? And then this um, Captain Kearney was basically said, hey, guys, like mm -hmm. when you signed up, weren't you pretty sure that someone was going to die or maybe yourself? Like this is what we go through. This is what this is all about. It's like some people are going to die. 
And that's what happens when you go to war, when you sign up in the military, you know, it's yeah. just like so sobering. It's like, and I just keep thinking like, these are just not that long ago, just like high school students. And now yeah. they're fucking shooting and running and gunning and just seems terrifying to me. Like, I, I don't know what I would do. I feel like I'm a um, coward at heart and I would run. I yeah. don't know, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know, though. Have you ever just gotten your adrenaline pumping to the point where you forget about all the I could get hurt stuff? Because I feel like I've had that like maybe once or twice in my life. Not I don't even know. Um, but I don't know. I like micro doses of that. And then I feel like I could I could see myself getting to the point. Not that I think I'm this tough guy. I probably couldn't. But there's a part where they talk about actually like they love the firefights right is what they call them yeah is uh like they love fighting and they think that they'll never have a an adrenaline rush or high like that right ever well, again coming home once you get shot at and you shoot at someone else you just don't lose that high like that is the highest of the highs yeah yeah and yeah. i thought that was so interesting like and then just thinking about them going home and having to live in a a world that's, you know, so artificial at times, like as far as, you know, just like working a regular day job and not, how do you do that after you've been know. shot at? Well, they have that interview with, at the end with that guy who's like <clears throat> saying like, I don't sleep. Like yeah. I can't sleep. I have these terrifying nightmares. Right. Like I try not to sleep. Can you fucking imagine? I know. And, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah. So I have, yeah, I, got, I have a huge empathy for veterans. And I, I think anyone would say that they do. Everyone's, yeah, all about our veterans. But yeah, at the end of the day, they're left in a pretty shitty situation. And people kind of like to just ignore it for the most part, other than standing up for the national anthem and waving their flags and saying right. thank you all the time. Right. They have shitty health care. Uh, horrible they don't the really, VA sucks they don't get the benefits are terrible yeah um and i that really hit me um especially i think homelessness was always something that i was really thinking about i, I was working in tech sales at the time and my ceo we worked in sixth and market like in the middle of the tenderloin and he told me i was telling him like i don't you know i don't really like walking around the tenderloin too much because it's just like hurts. It's just like sad, you know, seeing so many people in such distress. And um, he was like, yeah, either you become numb to it or it just kills you inside. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you better just kind of become numb to it. And I never really could. And uh, so I started actually producing comedy shows for uh, homeless veterans. Oh, wow. Because... Uh, I guess it, it was because of that documentary that Produ I was producing interested in. them for them or to, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, for the benefit of them. So we'd raise money. I, I wanted to, I mean, it's not completely 100% genuine. I wanted to do a comedy show for charity, partly because more people come. I feel like when there's, and I didn't oh. want to make money. I just wanted to have good shows sure. and it's like, why not do it? For Proceeds charity? benefit homeless veterans. I did want to help people, but yeah. it wasn't. Well, Mostly no I wanted to do comedy. No one's 100% altruistic. There's That's no such true. thing. Yeah. Ask Ayn Rand. 
Like yeah. it's, but I mean, but that's nice. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't do that. Yeah. Every year when I had my show, the Romaine event, every September I had a show benefiting uh, homeless people. I, I, oh, really? I did it with street sheets. The people that did that do the street sheets that you buy for a buck. Yeah. Um, I, I did a show in conjunction with them. Coalition for Homelessness. But um, it's I mean, that's sweet that you did that because a lot of homeless people are veterans and they mm-hmm. get forgotten about and. I mean, fuck, I mean, like how much, just what, two days ago I saw that we spent over, well over a trillion dollars for the war against terror, you know, and if just a fraction of that went towards mental health, housing, and help for our veterans, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's insane. I mean, even in the military, um, I have a, I know, so I'm close to someone who's in the Navy, but they're like, they're like about to be. They've done their like whatever twenty something years, and they're about to retire, and they're like over it. They're oh, like sure. definitely over the hoorah military attitude. Yeah. And he's, uh, I was asking him about mental health, and he was telling me he's like they have mental health services to get you back on the field fighting. They don't care about like fixing you or making you a happy person. Like right. they don't give a shit about that. Yeah. It's about getting you back to value on the field. Right. And. Um, I feel like that's the case with mental health in general, you know, like if you have a blaring issue, if you have PTSD, um, which happens to so many more people than the military, I think it's also like PTSD is very synonymous with shell shock. I even, I've talked to some people who think that they're the same thing. I'm like, shell shock refers to PTSD from military action, but PTSD can happen from getting mugged from, of course, you yeah. know, a divorce getting, yeah. Yeah. From a, div- anything, uh, well not anything. It's trauma. Not I anything. mean, it's just anything that's traumatic. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like the biggest, I think that's the biggest thing that I like people aren't talking about in, except for when there's a shooting. Yeah. Um, but it's weird cause it's actually the Republicans who are talking about it and they're not talking about it in an altruistic way at all. It's just like, <laughs> no. we don't want our guns to go away. Yeah. Um, well, defense contractors are give lots of money to the Republicans. I guess probably right. both parties, but well, and they want to cut taxes, yeah. and they're certainly not going to pay. Well, for I have it. a surprise for you, Jeff. Yes, which I did not mention, but I I knew that you're coming to talk about this doc. I actually asked my friend, who's a recruiter for the Marines, to come in <laughs> and sign up. Jeff, hey, uh, Bill, you want to? No, I'm joking. Um, yeah. Just would you like if someone said to you right now, like, we need you to sign up. We need you to go. Oh no. Yeah. Absolutely not. What would you, what, what would be the, like, what would you rather do? Like if they were like 12 years in prison or a 15 month deployment to the middle of Afghanistan? I'd for sure do Afghanistan. I think. Oh, okay. I don't know. I think I might get afraid. Minimum, minimum prison, security think, prison. I can't yeah. like 10 years of minimum security or 15 know. months. I actually did a tour of <laughs> San Quentin last oh, week. No way. And uh very interesting. That prison um, I just drove by it like two days ago and I was kind of like, I kind of want to go there just dude, to see it's it. It's cool. If you can do a tour, you should do it. How do you get a tour of San Quentin? Well, I work for a non, I, I'm a social worker and I work working with the homeless. And well, I, you sh- why didn't we start with that, Jeff? Yeah. So, why, um, <laughs> you, why are you burying the headline? Well, actually one thing that's really interesting. Okay. <laughs> so the reason, okay, here's the reason uh, that the, this that. documentary, the, you know how people, <laughs> you hear people, <laughs> 
I had no idea. I thought you were like in tech for some reason. I used to be. I okay. quit to be a social worker. Oh, wow. So um, the the reason this documentary is such so amazing to me is because I watched it with my girlfriend two weeks ago just because it's such a good documentary. And then I thought about it and I was like, I started doing... Um, the reason that I started doing comedy shows for homeless veterans was because of this documentary. And that only made me more empathetic towards uh, people experiencing homelessness. Mm. Um, and then I ended up getting into social work and specifically applying to one where I could be a social worker for people experiencing homelessness mm. with, uh, because of, you know, doing those comedy shows. And when I interviewed for the job, the biggest thing, like they didn't give a shit really about my tech sales experience. Right. Um, but the biggest thing is that they knew I was genuine because I did produce comedy shows for um, people experiencing homelessness. So like, it's kind of like a butterfly effect. Like if I wasn't bored that day and I didn't watch this documentary, I could still be in tech sales right now. This documentary literally changed my life. Oh, wow. And a lot of people say that like, oh, this documentary changed my life. And I always make fun of them, but it's tr totally true. Yeah. You but know? I mean, not, maybe not to the effect of changing your career. I mean, some, some docs yeah. have changed the way I've looked at the world or felt about a subject, but I haven't quit a career. Yeah. So that's big. I mean, there's other factors. Like I quit sales because I hated sales. I hated tech sales and that has nothing to do with right. the documentary. And also I wanted a, a job where I could work, you know, 40 hours a week and I wasn't shamed for it. Okay. Like in sales when right. I was. Um, do you have a vet show coming up? A show that benefits veterans coming up at all? No, I don't. Okay. No. You should. Yeah, I should. Yeah. If you do get back to us. And I will. Yeah. I will. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, uh, yeah, this documentary, like, huh. I didn't even really become conscious of it until recently. Interesting. It's totally shifted a lot of things in my life. Yeah. Um, and also working as a social worker, like, you know, comedy is what I would love to do. But also, I think being a therapist uh, would be really cool. Sure. Or a psychologist. or Right. Um, and I've been really interested in mental health, doing a ton of research huh. on it. And, Have uh, you ever seen a therapist? I'm just starting to now. I could never... Here, this is another thing. I am i didn't grow up rich, but I definitely didn't grow up poor. I'm like middle class white guy. Mm -hmm. You'd think I would have the privilege of seeing a therapist, like being would able have. to see a therapist. I've never been able to afford it. Oh, I've yeah. like wanted to, but it was until just now that I was able to like afford to do it. I went in college because my dad um, sent me just to see if I had ADD, which I, I did, but, um, anyway, uh, I don't know. I am fascinated with mental health right now and working with people experiencing homelessness, knowing that that's an issue for veterans. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I decided to rewatch that documentary Interesting. and, um, I don't know. It's just like, I've been kind of depressed lately just about the whole world. And I think a lot of it is like, yeah, like the Trump stuff, everything he's doing and just how terrible he is is like super depressing. But also just like even without him, if someone else was president, like we've never really taken mental health very seriously. No. 
And no, we have not uh, as a country. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing, getting mental health is a privilege for sure. And there was an article about all these NBA players who are rich and they grew up very poor and they're super depressed. Yeah. And they don't know why. And it's like, cause they have so much trauma that they're working through while also working in an extremely demanding profession. And it's just like, there's trauma everywhere and there's, you know, I don't even think I'm, I'm going to therapy and I have stuff that I'm working through and it's not trauma related. Well, not that long ago. It was a stigma. There was a time when a guy who was running for president, it came out that his wife had seen a oh, that therapist. pisses me off. This, yeah, and it, it was bad. They, it was like a knock on his abilities to be our president because his wife had seen a therapist. Yeah, I mean that's that's just yeah. There's was so much stigma attached to being crazy. I mean, The Sopranos I thought dealt with it really well. I love The Sopranos as a TV show, but. Like Tony had to hide the fact that he went and saw a therapist because like it meant that you're crazy and right. like maybe not uh, entirely a man. Exactly. You know? And I mean, I like a lot of my job is, as a social worker, I'm like a pseudo therapist and you know, um, do you have an MSW? No, I'm actually not. I'm not licensed social worker, but okay, I'm, well, I'm a case manager. Maybe we'll cut that part out of this. Yeah, yeah. Like I shouldn't <laughs> say social worker, but I don't know how else to explain. Okay. I don't want to say case manager at a nonprofit. Sure. But anyway. That kind of makes it sound like you drink a lot of coffee. I know. You wear I a lot of short so, sleeve yeah. button up shirts. So. Um, a lot of paperwork. Pushing yeah. paper. But a lot of times, like people come in and uh, I work on getting them referrals to other resources. I work on getting them referred to mental health, you know, okay. people who are That's cool. licensed, uh, right. <laughs> real psychologists and therapists and, uh, people who, you know, do that work for, um, the underprivileged, right. which is, uh, you know, you spend so much money on schooling to be a therapist. They really are like, it is amazing that they're able to give their time Yeah, because it's not available, which is sad. Right. Um, absolutely. Anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, a lot of times, a lot of my job is speaking to people and they're going through, I'm acting as like a pseudo therapist, you know, they're talking to mm -hmm. me about their life and the best thing I can do is just like, listen, you know, I'm not licensed. Yeah. So I try not to do, do anything. You talk about this on stage. No, I, I mean, you should, I'd love to, you should, yeah, you should really. And I would encourage you highly to start uh, talk about your experiences, what you do, and, and your point of view yeah. on this. I guess, yeah, I entered comedy in like doing stuff that's very personal to me, but that's also, it's all sur surrounded around my own neuroses. And then it's also just like kind of quirky and funny. Mm -hmm. And I never thought I'd become like, I don't know, I just. Well, I you can, it can still be quirky and funny, but it's a subject matter that obviously means a lot to you. And it people does. should hear it. You know? Yeah. Let me ask you some questions. Okay. What's Great. your hometown? Reno, Nevada. What are your measurements? Uh, 5'10", 160. Person you are most mistaken for? Oh, man. I, uh, hey, you know you look like? One of those things. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, 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 don't wanna, I don't know how to say this without seeming arrogant. You can't. It's fine. I've gotten Ashton Kutcher. Oh, okay. I can see that. Do you? I don't know. Do you know of any? I don't really get that. You often. look like an actor that would have been on like a like a teen drama or like yeah. a, Tony like, Sparks said that I look like I was on a CW show. That's I've never it. watched the CW. One Tree House or something. Yeah, yeah. something for with, sure. a, with a with a with a road name in it. Just like a basic white guy. You're a, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> okay. You probably well, shouldn't talk about like it's, cops as you, much as I did. Your you opinion know? matters. What is your dark <laughs> secret? Oh uh, man, I don't know. Um, like maybe we've already covered what it. What is my dark secret? I'm very shame. I feel a lot of shame about the fact that I got bullied a lot growing up. Oh really? You feel shameful about that? I mean, what did you do? I don't know. I I guess it just like I got bullied. I mean, now I'm starting to talk about it because I yeah. realize I'm I'm realize that it makes no sense that I have a shame about it. But growing up, my you know, I've always. I never told my parents I got bullied because huh. I thought they'd be like, well, Grow don't up. be such a pussy. Oh, you know, right. like they'd bully me or yeah, something. They'd c- continue the bullying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Push you around. Like sometimes I'd, I'd go back to high school and people like people from my past would kind of mesh, like see, be with people from my present, you know, and they'd be like, the people from my past would be like, oh my God, I can't believe we bullied you so much. We were so rude or something. And I get so embarrassed. Like, I don't want them to know. Yeah, that these new people in my life that I got bullied and now I have to explain that and be like, I don't know. I'm constantly, I don't know, whatever. Okay. (laughs) Um, turn offs. Turn offs. What's a turn off of yours? Oh, um, man, I think just any, anyone who I just don't feel like is being, um, genuine, I guess. Okay. That's a good one. What's a turn on for you? Uh, I guess the opposite, just someone who's very, uh, in touch with their emotions and not afraid to talk about it, which mm. actually has gotten me in trouble. I feel like I've been too <laughs> open with people who like, like, I'm your boss. You don't need to tell me about like your fucking <laughs> girlfriend uh, yeah. issues. Um, we're in a meeting right now. Yeah. Uh, could you stop crying, please? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure? I don't know. I guess like professional football. Huh. I, love I it. didn't know that about I you. I still like Well, who's your team growing up in Reno? The Niners. Okay. Yeah. Boy, they sucked the other night. Yeah. <sighs> I think that there's they have potential though. I think yeah. that I'm I, I quit fantasy football this year, which was uh I'm still in one league. Good. But the serious league. Okay. I quit is like a hundred dollar buy in. <laughs> no and thanks. like my friend they would we'd have to travel for uh draft. They're very broy. Like that's travel? the connection to my bro life. Wow. Like they would have the draft in Vegas and we'd all oh my God. go and have a weekend, which sounds great. But the, it's like I'm a friend of one of the guys and then the rest are very bro-y and I'm, I would never hang out with them one right. on one. And I was just like, I got to stop. A lot of Scots, a lot of Brads. Yeah. Like there, I think there's a Brad and right. like a Chad. Oh, Jesus. You know? Oh, those are the bookend names for Kyle. bros. Oh, so many Kyles. What do you never travel without? Uh... Like three extra pairs of underwear. Oh, yeah. Is that normal? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's normal. Swimming trunks? You oh, know? that's good. I could go to Alaska. I'm like, they might have... No, that's smart. Yeah. That's very <laughs> smart. I never thought about that. I have a uh, tiny <coughs> fan. Oh, okay. I bring a fan with me. I can't sleep without a fan, so I have a travel fan. I oh, found, that's cool. I found an amazing one from uh, on Amazon made in Japan that has like different yeah. levels. Yeah. It lights up. That's um, awesome. Sometimes yeah. with these questions, I get insecure that I'm not quirky and interesting enough. You believe me, you like, are. man, what, uh, underwear? T- what a basic answer. <laughs> Everyone fun. travels with underwear. Not everybody. Extra underwear. That's, mm. it's very, you're very pragmatic. That's fine. Okay. Do you have any pets? Yeah, I got a cat. Oh. Didn't think that I would be a cat person, but we got a cat. No. You Girlfriend s- what's your cat's name? Uh, Peppa. Peppa. Like salt and Peppa. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, what's your favorite salt and Peppa song? Just like a main one. Yeah. I think that's the only one I know. Right. 
she's just it's a black cat with like white in it yeah like very a little bit so she's like salt and pepper but it's like oh i see let's be fun about push it. it and push it you yeah. know if she's is she the salt or the pepper she's right. the pepper that makes sense what's your biggest regret uh i think it's just not doing comedy sooner oh boy that's a big one for everybody yeah. Except unless those people who actually did it at 16 or 12, yeah. there are those people like Dave Chappelle, who's in San Francisco tonight and tomorrow yeah. at the punchline comedy club.com. Who's yeah. now our sponsor. Um, no, I'm joking. They're not. That would be cool though. Um, he started at like 16 or something. Right. I think it's just like having, it's not like deciding to find myself or whatever earlier. Like, I think I just thought that whatever, my brother was doing yeah was so cool that i followed that for so long that i almost like lost like right. i didn't know who i was when i was too old like you ever you ever meet a 9 year old and they like say something incredibly profound about like they get in a conflict with someone on the playground and they're like well i just get really hurt when people oh, yeah. don't respect and yeah. i'm just like how who do you have this self awareness yeah at this age, like I didn't have that until I was like 23. Amen. I didn't have that until my 30s. I didn't start stand-up comedy until my 30s. Really? Yeah. Oh, so. wow. Uh, who is your celebrity crush? Uh, I think Mila Kunis. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, Brie Larson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brie Larson. Mm. They like. They Good both picks. have the same kind of... They're both beautiful. Beautiful, but, but like they, they're not like... Right. Look like some goddess. Like they're approachable. Unnatural. They're beautiful. They're obviously very smart. Yeah. Right. Great actors. Uh, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, man, I don't know. I think I panic about that all the time. Would you say professional full-time comedian or professional full-time therapist? I don't know. That's the whole struggle I'm going through right now. Well, we'll talk it's to like you in 10 years. why we'll I'm going out. to therapy. <laughs> it's to find out. I have actually, I'm writing, I'm trying to write a pilot about oh, awesome. where like characters pop up and they're like versions of yourself 10 years from now. Oh. Like what you have anxiety about. Right. You could like, there's like a failed comic and then there's a successful salesperson right. who quit comedy or who never did comedy right. and followed his dreams. Well, then, if you focus on it, it'll probably happen. So focus on what you want, you know? Yeah. I mean, Do I'm focusing that. on comedy first awesome. and foremost right now. So hopefully that's the case, but. And you're on Twitter. I am on Twitter, yes. Where are you at? What's your most definitely? It's uh, awesome. So that's it's Instagram too. Same. Yeah, yeah. It's an M, but with an O with the O is a zero because because you wanted to make it hard for people. Yeah. Well, the you know someone already had the there was oh. a, another Jeff out there that thought of this brilliant you know pun before I did. Right. I and I love the um, I don't know if you still have it on your Facebook page, but that picture of you as a kid still it just is, yeah. I love that picture so much. There's so much going on in Thank that you. photo of you. Um, Jeff, this has been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for bringing fun. this heart-wrenching documentary yeah. to us. Thank you. Um, and um, best of luck, sir. Right. Thank. You. Please, uh, subdoggers, don't write a blog about how I <laughs> love cops and think that they're justified. In their That's not what I was saying at all. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just like so... Like, ever since I started talking about it, I'm like, people are going to take that out of its context? I think people understand what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Paco. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about SupDoc at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. 
Our theme song was written by David Siegel, and our show was engineered by Will Scoville. If you want us to cover a doc, have suggestions for guests, or you just want to reach out, please email us at suppodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.